Well, let's get into the Word today. We have been in a teaching series called After God's Own Hearts. We've been studying King David and all the things that we can learn from his life so that we can be a people after God's own heart. This has been a great series. I've preached probably two of the most uplifting sermons I've preached in a long time as a part of this series. We've looked at David the underdog, David the friend, David the leader, David the father. That one wasn't so uplifting. That was a tough one, but we did it. And and we looked at David the covenant king. And today, we're going to look at David the worshiper. And who better to come teach us about worship than our worship director, Sugi. Come on up, Sugi. Give us the word today. How's everybody doing today? All right. So I'm excited to share. I mean, this is like kind of like my life's journey is music. And worshiping has been like the greatest thing God's given so I can give back to him. So, so today we're going to talk about David, David the worshiper. And, you know, the life of David, God chose David. On the surface, it made no sense, right? God, God doesn't work on sense, of course, but he works on grace. You know, God called you, God called me, God called everyone. And he knew what he was doing. And in many ways, David's life foreshadowed, foreshadowed or uh, it was a picture of the details of Christ's life. God illustrated the unknown about the Messiah to the known about David. David was not divine or perfect, neither are we. And we, as we quickly discover, God had used him to teach us truths about the one who, who, about the one who is. Right. So let's look at um, look at David. David was not only a mighty warrior, but he was also a skilled musician. You know, in 1 Samuel 16, 18, it says, One of the servants said to Saul, One of Jesse's sons from Bethlehem is a talented harp player. Not only that, he's a brave warrior, a man of war, and has good judgment. He's also a fine-looking young man, and the Lord is with him. And wherever the tormenting spirit from God troubled Saul, that's in verse 23, Saul would play the harp. Then Saul would feel better, and the tormenting spirit would go away. You know, I grew up in in the Catholic Church, and music wasn't wasn't really there yet. As far as like like today, I've known I know a couple of places that are they're called charismatic uh, Catholics, so they actually do worship songs like we do. Uh, but then it's like so it's a little bit conflicting when you hear it's like hmm okay. But I grew up not having music in the church. Music was like kind of like forbidden. Not forbidden, but like it was really like mellow. So we either would have an organ player or a piano player or just the priest singing. And sometimes it was harsh. <laughs> but we see here that David was an excellent musician, you know. It's like you can equate the, the harp player to today as the electric guitar player, you know. But not only he was skilled in musician, he was a songwriter. He wrote over half of the Psalms in, uh, in the book of Psalms. And the Psalms show us the, the picture of his mind, his emotions, you know, illustrations and, you know, of what he was, what he was tormented with, whatever he was joyful with. And you see... And we see that he, through all of, all of the psalms that he's written, you can see that he was walking with God. 
Um, but before we continue with David and worship, let's go back to the beginning, right? Let's go back to the Garden of Eden. You know, the worship in the Garden of Eden was pure and simple. You know, Adam and Eve had only had two jobs, right? It was to cultivate the garden and to fellowship with God. And Genesis 2.15 says, The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to tend and to keep. In Genesis 3, 8 to 9 says, The cool evening breeze were blowing, and the man and his wife heard the Lord of God walking in the garden. So they hid among the trees. The Lord God called them, called to the man, Where are you? You know, in that sense, you know, they were ashamed of what they've done already. Um, but because of their disobedience, they could no longer fulfill their duty righteously. You know, they could no longer tend to the garden. They could no longer fellowship with God. So they were kicked out of Eden. And so let's look at worship after the fall. So everything changed after David, or not David, Adam's sin. You know, worship was, was simple. It was pure. But now it was the sacrifice. It was the feast and it was the tithes, as we've been reading in, in the Old Testament. Worship now centered around sacrifice for atonement. Because of disobedience, Adam and Eve had their descent, and their descendants needed a blood sacrifice. You know, God created this system of atonement because it was a sacrifice needed to pay for whatever sins they've committed, whatever sins were in their heart. You know, Aaron and the Levites were now um, installed as the priesthood, and the priests were all the only ones. Uh, we're the only ones able to perform the sacrifice. And not only did that to be, they were able to perform the sacrifice. They were the only ones who were able to go into the tabernacle. Okay? So the tabernacle, which was a, a picture of what was in heaven, was the place of worship for the Israelites. The worship was not only the giving of the sacrifice, but in the work to prepare it. You know, sacrifice, they, they give up their, their, um, their fir the, first, uh, the first fruits of their, you know, lambs or their goats or pigeons or whatever, whatever they had. But in order to have that, they had to raise it, right? You got you to raise that lamb or goat. You got to raise the family, you know, of, of sheep. You know, you got in order for sheep to, to get food, you have to tend the land. So they have to tend the land. You have to create a harvest for the sheep so that you would have a sacrifice. So all of that was actually the worship they had to do. All of the work, all of the sacrifice they had to do just so they could have an offering to God for that year. You know, Israelites had to raise their sacrifice and they have to prepare to, in order to prepare an acceptable sacrifice. You know, then the priest... They were the only ones able to enter the tabernacle, but only if one thing they had to need was the anointing. It says that um, that they poured oil, the horn of uh, horn of oil, over was it Aaron? Yeah, Aaron and the and his and his sons, and then from that day on, they were anointed to be the priesthood. <clears throat> so going on. You know, music wasn't only, was only involved in the feasts, events. Um, if you read in um, Numbers 10, 
uh, Moses created trumpets, yeah, and silver trumpets, and the trumpets were only used for either feasts or to signal war. You know, it wasn't until King David that they, in, they introduced the, the harps and the lyres and the trumpets, cymbals into the, into the temple. That's in 1 Corinthians 25. So we see that there's a transition. Where, where did it change for David, right? The worship of David, you know, David, David worshiped God without reservation. Reservation. In 2 Samuel 6, 14 to 6 says, David danced before the Lord with all his might, wearing a priestly garment. So David and all the people of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouts of joy and the blowing of ram's horns. And as, ark, as the ark of the Lord entered the city of David, called the daughter of Saul, looked down from her window, and she saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, and she was filled with contempt for him. We see here, you know, David's worshiping uh, like unashamedly, right? He's just dancing. And in another verse, it says that he was only in his underwear. <laughs> yeah. In some other verses, it was just a loincloth. So, um, so we see here that David was doing something that was different, right? There was now music. It was him who was giving the worship, right? David's worship was God-centered. In 2 Samuel 6, 21, it says, David returned and called, I was dancing before the Lord who chose me above your father and all his family. He appointed me as the leader of Israel, the people of the Lord, so I celebrate before the Lord. You know, a lot of the, a lot of the worship before then was all sacrifice-centered in order to bring the, you know, to cleanse their sins from all they have done for that year. And in this case, you see here that was because he's anointed David as the leader. We see that he's, he's there. Um, all his worship was God-centered. You know, David made uh, room for God's presence. David brought the ark into his own tent and worshiped with sacrifice, not like the tab tabernacle of Moses. In 2 Samuel 6:17, it says, They brought the ark of the Lord. And set it in his place inside the special tent David had prepared for it. And David sacrificed burnt offerings and peace offerings to the Lord. So the presence of God was a, was a thing that David desired. And he, he prepared a special place. Not only in like an ordinary place, he, he gave up his own tent. He prepared that tent so that he could bring sacrifice and burnt offerings and peace offerings to the Lord. If you look before then, um, King Saul tried to do the same thing. It said that King Saul offered sacrifice before the Lord, you know, but it was, it was, there was a difference between King Saul's and David's offering. And that is how, that's the difference, that is how David experienced New Testament grace, it was a picture of something that was supposed to happen years and years later. But it was something he experienced because of his, his lifestyle. And so living a lifestyle of worship, we were created for worship, you know, to bring glory to God. Um, God made worship for himself. God is a jealous God. You know, he wants all the worship. He wants it all. It's like he doesn't, he doesn't want you to do anything else but worship him.
what is God looking for in worship? You know, that's the good question. You know, in Revelation 4.11 says, Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. Isaiah 43.7 says, Everyone who's called by my name, whom I've created for my glory, I have formed him, and yes, I have made him. So God created us to reflect glory back to him. He made worship so that he could great be worshipped. It's kind of, kind of a crazy thought. It's like, I made you so that you be for me. You know, I made this so that it can be done for me. And so what was God looking for? What is God looking for in worship? So God looks first at the heart. In 1 Samuel 16, 7, the Lord said to Samuel, Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things man looks at. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. We see that, you know, David, David did things differently. You know, we saw, we saw that David didn't use the armor of Saul. David tended to, to sheeps, right? He was a shepherd boy. And he wasn't a warrior, you know. He did things that were a little bit different. So, and what else is God looking for in, in, in worship? God is a spirit, according to John 4.24. And those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. <clears throat> you know, the lifestyle of worship requires, has four requirements. The first one is obedience. You can't obey God. You can't worship a God. You can't obey. Obedience is required. You know, we look back at Samuel who, who offered a, a burnt offering that was one that was, one that was unaccept, unacceptable. You know, the same thing happened with Cain and Abel. Cain offered an, an, a, a, a sacrifice that was unacceptable. 1 Samuel 15, 22 says, But Samuel replied, what is more pleasing to the Lord, your burnt offerings and sacrifices or your obedience to his voice? Listen, obedience is better than sacrifice and submission is better than the offering of fatter rams. You know, disobedience is what got Adam and Eve kicked out of Eden. This is, disobedience is what made King Saul's sacrifice unacceptable. It is, by, it is in obedience that we prove that we love God. In 1 John 5 uh, verse 2 to 3 says, we know, we know we love God's children if we love God and obey his commandments. Loving God means keeping his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. So we, for one, we need obedience. Number two, we need sacrifice. You know, in the Old Testament, the blood sacrifice was required to atone for the sins of Israel because, because Jesus became our sacrifice we no longer have to bring that sin offering, sin sacrifice to the altar. In Hebrews ten fourteen, it says, "For that by one, for that, sorry, <laughs> I typoed that on here." It says, "For by that one offering, he forever made perfect those who are being made holy." In Hebrews thirteen fifteen, it says that sacrifice is now of the lips. Therefore, let us offer through Jesus a continual sacrifice of praise to God, proclaiming our allegiance to his throne. No. 
Sacrifice is not only of the lips, but it's also of our service. Romans 12, verse 1, it says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. You see, back in Eden, right, that was the, that was the job for Adam and Eve was to cultivate the garden. We see it with, with David, once he was anointed with the oil, what did he do? He went back to tend to sheep, right? So he did what he was told to do, right? His father told him, you need to take care of, the, of, our, of our sheep. So after he got anointed, he went back to do the thing that he was, he was told to do, you know? So he had to obey, and then he had to sacrifice, right? Um, so... And the third thing we need, the third requirement is the anointing or the Holy Spirit. In the Old Testament, to be a priest, you had to be anointing, anointed. You know, before David became king, he, not, he was anointed with oil, which is a symbol of the Holy Spirit. Uh, hold on. First Samuel 16, 13 says, So Samuel took the horn of oil, anointed him in the presence of his brothers, and from that day on the Spirit of the Lord came upon David in power. You know, we believe um, in Jesus, so that, so that means that we have that same anointing when we receive salvation. In uh, 1 Corinthians 1, verse 21 to 22, it says, And it is God who establishes us with you in Christ, and has anointed us, and who has also put his seal on us, and given us his spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. In 1 John 2, 27, it says, But you have received the Holy Spirit, and he lives within you. So you don't need anyone to teach you what is true, for the Spirit teaches you everything you need to know, and what he teaches is true. It is not a lie. So just as he has taught you, remain in the fellowship with Christ. So because we, need, because we have that anointing that God gave us when we got saved, is by that same anointing, we should live by. And in Galatians 5.25 says, If we live by the Spirit, let us do in step with the Spirit. The fourth requirement that we need in order to live in a life of, lifestyle of worship is truth. You know, to worship someone, we have to know who we were worshiping, right? And if we don't, if we don't have knowledge of the God we worship, there is no worship in truth. In order, in the, we have to learn and know who God is in order to properly worship Him. You know, David walked with the Lord from when he was when he was a child, and in the Psalms we see that there are several several chapters dedicated to, you know, his emotions, you know, his mental well being, you know, and also a lot of it was uh, praise and exalting to God. You know, and David was also, you know, he was very brutally honest with God. You know, in Psalm, uh, you can read those in like Psalms 16, Psalms 27, Psalms 84, Psalms 119, Psalms 139. You can check those out. Um, you, you see that there was a heart after, longing after God, wanted to be right with God. Even if he was, if he was sad, depressed, he wanted to be right with God. 
Um, in Romans 12, 2 says, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. <clears throat> Colossians 3.16 also says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. You know, genuine Christ-exalting worship, after all, is both fruit of both heat and light. The light of the truth shines into our minds and into our hearts and instructs us about who God is. That such light turns and ignites that should turn and ignite that fire of passion and affection to, into heat, you know, into love, joy, gratitude, you know, soul satisfaction. You know, a lot of the times in my walk with the Lord, I find myself thirsty. I find myself hungry. And not for food or for drink, you know, but for something that was more. When I, when I first got saved in, in 1998, I was sitting in this front row here. And it was my first, first time to this church. And during worship, I actually was playing an instrument. So I was actually on stage for worship. And when I saw everybody's hands lifted up, you know, praising God very loud vocally, I was like, where am I? <laughs> I, brought, I, was I was raised in the Catholic church, so I was like, we don't raise up our hands. We stand. We, we look at a hymnal. But we were like, but we were up here singing songs, some of them in, in rock and roll. <laughs> you know, it was like I grew up. You know, learning that certain songs weren't allowed in, in the Catholic Church. You know, especially when I went to Catholic school, all the, I would listen to some of, you know, like Journey and um, Toto, and I, I would bring my Walkman, my tape Walkman now, tape Walkman, to to school and start listening to those songs, and I would get I would get scolded by my teachers who were nuns, right, and they would they would say that I was supposed to listen to stuff these. This kind of thing, so like, you know, so I would listen to him at home, but, you know, standing, sitting there on on stage and looking out, it's like, where where am I and what is everybody doing? It's like there's it's like everybody's singing songs, we're singing songs that are in a rock beat, we're they're all standing there, and then all and during in between a couple of the songs, they started speaking in tongues, right? I'm like. Now where am I? <laughs> you know? But you know, after the fact, it's like, it like even though my mind was in question, my heart was, was like at peace. You know, it's like there's something about this place that's kooky, but I like it. <laughs> you know, it's like hmm. So you know, after after worship, we sat down. I sat in the front row. You know, we, uh, Pastor Merv Walker was the was the pastor at that time. And he's preaching, I forgot what he was preaching, but it's a, it stirred something inside of me. And like, and then at the end, he, he um, offered a, you know, to take salvation, right? He was preaching about salvation at the end. And he, he asked people who wanted to get saved. And my arm just immediately went, like, like involuntarily. I was like, my arm was like, no. 
I, then I raised my hand up again because I raised my hand. So they started praying. I was like, this is, it's like, this is, I think this is what I needed. You know, I grew up, you know, very, a very anxious person, you know, always like, uh, you know, triple checking things, double checking, then triple checking, you know, uh, did things like I, you know, in math class, I would like, I would stay until the last person's there so I know that all my, my, my work was done correctly. That was how anxious I was. And, you know, God, after that time, God started to reduce that anxiety in me, you know. Um, you could call me an extrovert introvert, you know. I, I like hanging around people, but as soon as I start to wear out, I need to be by the, myself, you know. But in that, all those times when I'm by myself is where God started to speak to me, you know. I would say that, you know, a lot of times it's just in, the, in those times where I'm by myself, you know, I might pick up my guitar now and then or, you know, turn on a worship song and I would just bask in the spirit of God and just listen to music, start worshiping God. You know, that's where my walk started. You know, my love for secular music started to diminish. And, you know, if you would play a certain song from nowadays in the last maybe 15 years, I'd probably recognize the melody, but for the most part, I wouldn't even tell you the title because I, I, it's, it's something that doesn't interest me anymore. You know, I can remember all the songs from like the 80s and 90s. You know, you can ask me that. <laughs> but, you know, God, God had a specific purpose for my life. And, you know, I'm just right now beginning to see it. You know, after, you know, I was saved in 98. So what is today? <laughs> 22, right? It's been a while. But, you know, God's timing, right? It's like as, we, as long as we obey, as we, you know, get into the word, as we walk with God, you know, we, we see that God wants something as far beyond what we could ask or, or we can dream. You know, when I was in high school, I wanted to be an astronaut. I was like, then, then it became an architect. Then it went back to being a pilot. Then it became a civil engineer. And then once I, once I got to my senior year in high school, I was like, I'm going to be a music teacher. <laughs> I was like, so I went everywhere. And, and, it's like, and I went to school. I went to school for you know, a couple of years here and a couple of years in Manoa. But I never finished. And I felt like God was closing that door. I was like, where are you leading me? And, and, and now, like, and he's leading to where I was, I was being trained in lead, working with youth and working in the, in the worship ministry. And here, you see where I am now. Like, ooh. You know, it's never, it's never a thought. I never spent a thought thinking that I would be right here right now. You know? But God is good, and all the glory goes to him. You know? And in those times when, you know, I'm alone, it's like, like I, it's where God, you know, meets me the, I guess, the best. <laughs> you know, he said, sometimes it's when I'm driving. That's the, especially it's the worst time, actually, I would say. You know, one time I remember, you know, I was headed to, headed to youth um, after work. And I was driving. I didn't have the music on, nothing. Because it was just, you know, I just had, you know, a full day of work. I just wanted just silence. Then in that silence, all of a sudden, the spirit of joy came on me. 
and I started laughing, laughing and laughing, so much that my stomach hurt, and I had to pull over <laughs> because I was actually swerving, <laughs> you know. But in all in all, you know, I cherish those times, you know, spending time with God, you know, listening to his voice, you know, like a lot. And truth be told, you know, I don't do it all the time, you know. It's like, you know, and it's just the human side of me, you know, not wanting to do that. So of course, we talked about it in youth, right? It's like we, we do what we ought to do or we do not do what we ought to do. And we do what we don't want to do, you know, because of the spirit and because of the flesh. But every time I spend time with God, I feel this peace, I feel this joy. You know, I'm, I'm Asian, and I do not like expressing my emotions, right? <laughs> it's like, you know, like, like a few, few months ago, you know, like my mom passed away, and I was like, I was just holding it in because, like, I don't want to cry, you know. But like, the, you know, afterwards, I just bawled my eyes out because it's like, you know, God did something to me that day. But it's like I don't want to show emotion. But you know, we're everybody experiences emotion, so why not share it, right? Yeah. So in in closing, worship is not just about music, songs, dancing, or lifting our hands. It's about the heart. It's about the sacrifice. Worshiping in spirit and truth is a, is a lifestyle. It's about walking with the Lord in every aspect of your life. For Adam and Eve, it was cultivating the garden. Um, for David, it was tending the sheep, warding off predators, and walking with God. For us, it's our everyday. It's in our everyday that we give glory to God. In Colossians 3.17 is... Whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. You know, whether it be doing the laundry, mowing the lawn, doing the dishes, you know, going surfing, playing basketball, you know, working out, you know, even just driving your car, you know, from work to, to, your, to, to someplace else, or you're working your nine to five, you know, let, let us learn to reflect the glory of God in our daily life. Worship is giving God the glory that he deserves. And living a lifestyle of worship gives him the glory in all that we do. Thank you for sharing. Amen. Let's have the worship team come back up. What a great picture, Suga. I had not thought of it that way, that if you lived as an Old Testament Israelite, everything you did was to culminate in bringing an animal to the altar to give glory to God. So when you're tilling your field, sowing your seed, raising your sheeps, fighting off the wolves, everything was, I'm going to give glory to God. And what a lifestyle that still applies to us today that everything we do gives glory to God. Whether we're doing it for fun, for work, for exercise, just because it has to be done. Everything we do. Thank you, Jesus. Will you stand together? Thank you for that encouragement today, Sugi. I just want to pray for you. And then we're going to go back to the heart of worship. Right? I love that, man. Adam and Eve, their worship was simple and pure. 
It was just doing what they were supposed to do and being in fellowship with God. And that we can get back to that, that we're doing what we're supposed to be doing and we're walking in fellowship with God. Thank God that Jesus took all the complexity out of it, the complexity of the sacrifice and the feasts and doing everything on the right time and the right schedule. Mankind went from simple to complex back to simple. Let's rejoice in that simple today. Just our heart for God. Jesus, would you speak to each one of us through your word as Sugi brought your word today. Lord, would you speak to each one of us what we need, Lord, from that word. Oh, would you speak to us about our obedience? Would you speak to us about our truth and gaining knowledge of you in the silent times? Would you speak to us about sacrifice, what you've called us to give? Would you speak to us about heart and spirit, that we might worship you in that spirit and that truth? Would you challenge each of us, Lord, from your word, that we might worship you with pure hearts, that we might give you greater devotion, Ah, that idols would be struck down in our lives because, Lord, we want to worship only you. I pray, God, that we would live lifestyles of worship so that everything in our lifestyle would bring glory to your name. So, God, we're going to give our hearts to you right now. Would you speak to us? Would you change us and shape us? Because we gathered in your presence today to hear your word. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen.